Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, what's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast hosted by me, Andrew Levins, and her, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Every week at King's Comics in Sydney. Uh, big hellos to all of our new listeners that uh, started listening as of last week. Uh, who knew that Nicholas Mason from Melbourne had such a ginormous fan base? All you had to do was get rid of me <laughs> and replace me, replace me with another white man no. and we would have been doing amazing this whole time. <laughs> Who knew? I'll give myself up. You can do it. You can do the episode <laughs> with uh, with Nick next time. Uh, thanks so much to Meso for uh, doing an episode with us, filling yeah, in thank you. Siobhan's big shoes and, uh, and and recording an episode with us while I was in Melbourne. It was heaps of fun. And uh, shout outs to everyone who uh, is now listening to Series Issues for the first time now. Hmm. Uh, what we do every week is we read pretty much every comic book that comes out. Uh, I had to skip a few this week because I am on currently on tour. Um, with the Venga Boys. Huge. Just want to drop that as often as possible because <laughs> uh, it is the weirdest thing to say and it never gets any less weird. Uh, but we, re- re- we read all the comics that come out each week and we review them. We let you know which ones you should be reading too or we discuss the, uh, you know, it, it's hard to find someone to discuss every kind of comic with and mm. but that's what we, we're here to do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you read any comic, chances are we're going to chat about it on some level. Exactly. Uh, and we kick off every show by uh, reviewing all of the new number one, so all of the brand new series that started last Last week, we call that First Things First, and First Things First, in First Things First, we're going to be reviewing a comic that we've been very, very excited to start for a long time, uh, The Unworthy Thor by Jason Aaron, with art by Olivia Coipel, um, and colours by Matt Wilson. Uh, we're massive fans of Jason Aaron's Thor run. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say, like, I, I, I said it was my favourite Marvel run from last year, It it's continued on the same level of quality, you never know... What direction it's, it can take, and, and when he does like weird one shots, he always gets like great guest artists in, and mm-hmm. there's so many great ideas, and it, it, nothing is kind of seemingly left to you know as like this dumb idea that's been tossed away. He always brings back themes and characters and things that he started months, years ago. Um, even in books that weren't Thor, he's reused characters that he he, he used in his Wolverine stories in this run, and uh, the biggest thing I guess that he's that he's going to be known for for this run is that he made. Thor Unworthy, the uh, the Odinson as we know him and see him in the movies, is no longer the Thor in the comic books. Instead, that honor goes to Jane Foster. Hell yeah, the best Thor of them all. Although, and this yes. is a comic with multiple Thors, and all of them are my favorite Thor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when we last saw the original Thor, um, he was like at the bottom of an ocean. Is that what happened? I can't oh, remember. Oh, I can't remember. It's too long ago now. So, Thor has been told something by the Watcher, and he is no longer worthy of holding the hammer. 
and uh, we have not really seen much of him since this uh, this happened. He, we had a you know a few drunken uh, esca- escapades mm-hmm. with him. A couple of flashbacks. Yeah, and uh, and of course he was a big part of the um, Thor's miniseries that was part mm-hmm. of Secret Wars, in which all the Thors are like like a, like a police procedural kind of like NYPD blue kind of thing. But Except everyone's Thor. <laughs> everyone has a th- has a hammer. It's great fun. It's so good. And Jason this kind of picks so up silly. picks up the pieces of what what the Odinson has been doing uh, these last few months. So this is a much like a much scruffier Thor than we're used to. He's got no helmet. He's not even really got a shirt. He this is. is a shirtless Thor with a cape. If you are someone that loves chest hair in comics, this is a good comic for you. This is the comic for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love weird, depressed, shirtless Thor riding a goat everywhere. He, at many times throughout this, he says that he hates himself. I know. Like, literally my favorite bit of the whole comic, and it made me laugh out loud, was when he goes, I hate trolls, but not as much as I hate dot, 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 myself. <laughs> Sorry. You shouldn't laugh at his <laughs> really, poor Thor. I know why that made me. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh, good one. Uh, so he, he, he lost his arm at one point in the Thor series. So mm-hmm. now he has a black arm made of Uru, which is a g- great way to call back uh, to one of my favorite 90s DC runs of Aquaman, where he had a uh, an arm of pure water. Oh, yeah. This is basically like that Aquaman. Like yeah, a grizzled... Shirtless, bearded, long-haired, yes, blonde guy. Like yes. it's <laughs> With a with an arm made of a weird substance that doesn't exist. Someone's been reading my fanfics again. <laughs> definitely Jason Aaron. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, so this, this comic uh, definitely picks up the threads. Um, it even kind of follows on from Original Sin, which is a very underrated and I think diver- deserves a revisit um, event that Marvel did a couple years ago. I think the first three issues deserve a revisit I and think then re- the rest of it you can just ignore. No, I think reread the whole thing. I think mm. you, you would actually enjoy it. I think mm. reading it month to month and with all the delays and stuff just kind of built it up to nothing. But uh, look, there are hints to um, the ultimate Thor mm-hmm. in this and there are also, there's also an appearance by Beta Ray Bill. The best Thor ever. Um, and uh, there's look, there's a lot of great, great moments. Ho- hopefully, we find out what we, what, what I'm sure we will. Yeah. What, what, what Thor heard that made him unworthy, and hopefully, we see some form of redemption. Um, I, I doubt Jane Foster as Thor is going anywhere anytime soon. I hope not. Um, because I think that's a great I, version I think, of the character. Yeah, I think having both these characters exist at the same time is is, is great. Absolutely, and it is important to say um, Olivia Coipel was the key. Thor artist on J. Michael Straczynski's run, and yep. I loved that. And it's so cool having him back on a Thor book. He draws um, such a pretty Thor and such a brilliant giant goat. Yeah, such a good goat. <laughs> so it. yeah, I'm like we already knew we were going to be on board with this comic. It's so. the least surprising like win yeah. of all time. I, I finished this seeing next to Siobhan and I was like, well, that was obviously great. Yeah, that was obviously the best. We all, like, <laughs> everyone in the King's office pretty much was like, well, that was obviously the best. Unfortunately, this is a mini-series. It's the only qualm I have with this book. I wish this was just like a long, ongoing... Maybe maybe, maybe it'll be popular enough that they will just keep this going forever. Maybe. I feel like if Jason Aaron just has a strong story that he wants to tell, I'm I'm down for that. Totally. If he's, if he's well, plotted down to five issues. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking more Jason Aaron later in the episode because... Uh, Southern Bastards came back. <gasps> God damn it, that was great. So good. Spoilers. Uh, we've got two more Marvel number ones. Mm-hmm. This one is from another one of our favorite writers, uh, David F. Walker, and um, art by Ch- Carlos Pacheco. Um, this is called Occupy Avengers. Timely. Well, I mean, a very dated reference in the title, um, of course, referencing the Occupy movement, which was popular two and a half years ago is Something like that. Feels uh, like longer. So, I mean, a lot of people made fun of the name of this, but... I guess it is kind of apt for, you know, 
channeling the kind of character that they're going for with Hawkeye here. Yeah. Which is not dissimilar to like the bleeding heart, you know, social justice warrior that they're giving Green Arrow over at DC now. But Hawkeye is always a bit more, I guess, like savvy and competent than Oliver Queen. Like, do you think? I don't know. I feel like I've never, I mean, I don't, I probably know more about Green Arrow than I do about Hawkeye. So I don't know if Hawkeye's ever had like that real sort of bleeding heart where his politics on his sleeve kind of vibe. Well, I mean, I, since the... Since the Matt Fraction run, I exactly, suppose. I've always yep. seen Hawkeye, like that version of Hawkeye is more like a sort of have-a-go hero, though. Like, he's a sure. bit... Like, like, he's just a guy. His but heart's he's in the right place. really good at, with a bow and arrow, and he just wants to make a difference using that skill, which is ludicrous. So, uh, David F. Walker, great writer. We really loved him on, on Night Nighthawk, which mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, finished last week. Um, we also loved... We love his uh, Power Man and Iron Fist run. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have told me that we need to read um, Shaft. He wrote Shaft for oh, a while. Oh, cool. So we read that too. But um, where the name Occupy Avengers is a little bit dated, the subject matter could not be more timely because it deals with uh, uh, an Indian reservation, mm-hmm. not, not too dissimilar from Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, their water, basically, like the, the what's well, not a watering hole. It's I guess it's like the, the, their water reserves have mm. been uh, have has been contaminated, and that was how everyone on the reservation made money. And um, now everyone drinks bottled water, and um, so Hawkeye's come to to suss it out uh, with a bow and arrow. With a bow and arrow, fix, fix the situation with a bow and arrow. It's great. What could go wrong? Um, and uh, on this reservation is Red Wolf. And he was a character that was he was he in, introduced during 1872 in the Secret Wars miniseries, or is he a long-standing Marvel character that it just kind of shows up and shows out throughout time? I don't know. Let me let me do that. They tried to give him his own series la earlier this year, which I quite enjoyed. Right, I thought it was okay. It lasted all of six issues, I think, yeah. and uh, went down. Guns, the uh, axes are blazing, uh, but. Uh, so Red Red Wolf is in this. In fact, it looks like this this comic. I mean, it's it's it, Hawkeye's name is in the in the uh, in the in the in the title. Oh no, yeah, sorry, he's been around since the seventies. He's Red Wolf is Marvel's first Native American superhero. There you go. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it looks like it's a little team up between Red Wolf and Hawkeye. Um, there is a brilliant moment in which uh, Hawkeye completely acknowledges how dumb it is that he brings <laughs> a bow and arrow to a gunfight. Yep. And he says, here's the thing. Guns are impersonal. Knives are brutal. But an arrow, that's elegance. It is a handwritten letter in an age of text messages. A bow and arrow really says, from me to you with love and kisses. <laughs> uh, I thought that was great. That's yeah, like, absolutely. I, like, you know, it's incorrect yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, but if, if that's but it's a good way of reasoning exactly if that's what if that's why clint does it then I'm, I'm, I'm all for it and it is it is amazing how timely this is considering how long it takes to put together a single issue of a comic book mm. i mean does david f walker have a have a time machine or yeah, can he see I the mean, future or night i mean the thing is though relations between america and native americans are always terrible mm. so to write a book that concerning that is always going to be timely just yeah, absolutely. particularly so given the current news climate mm. just similarly the way that nighthawk you know was at, at the at the peak of the black lives matter movement um, and it was about black crime and, and, and police corruption in, in Chicago. How good was the ending to that, by the way? Oh, we just didn't talk about it together. I, th- I, I was knocked off my feet yeah. by that ending. Yeah. I made uh, Nick Meso read it, just mm. even though he hadn't read it one single issue. I just was like, read the last like six pages of this. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. that totally sells you. Um, I, I, I hope he gets a chance to revisit that. I mean, I, I reckon Nighthawk might show up in this comic because it feels like... Yeah, let's hope so. If this is like the social justice comic, and, mm. I, and I, they kind of do kind of 
it's not this like unbelievably like you know even though we are very obviously left wing liberal yeah. liberal dudes over here but like it kind of makes fun of that you know I'm a white guy just trying to solve the world. Just put yeah. me in any situation and I'll try and fix it. Like, you can't go about doing that. And, and I think it's it's cool to kind of have that perspective told too. Absolutely. Yeah. Good job, um, David F. Walker. Yeah. Again, obviously, we're going to keep reading this. Obviously. Obviously. Um, finally, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Avengers number one. Can you believe we've had 20 Avengers number ones this year? <laughs> it feels like 50. And Mark Wade has only written 15 of them. <laughs> Uh, so this is the new lineup of the Avengers again. Uh, again, <laughs> um, this time it includes uh, Spider-Man, Jane Foster, Foster as Thor, Captain America, aka Sam Wilson. We've also got the Vision, Hercules, and Wasp, who is right. a the Nadia Pym version of the Wasp, who was introduced in the last run of the Avengers. She's seriously been in three issues of comics before this. Yep. So immediately she's allowed to be an Avenger. Obviously. Um, she was kind of taken She's under. got Hank Pym's blood in her. She must be a good guy. Jarvis vouched for her. Oh, for Christ's sake. Um, art on this one, and is the main reason you should check this out, Mike Del Mundo. Absolutely. Who we loved on Weird World and a couple issues of The Hulk. Mm. Um, totally awesome Hulk. I um, just kind of feel like like I love Mike Del Mundo, and just having more Mike Del Mundo in my life is amazing. But there's an element which his stuff feels a little bit kind of too eerie and too weird for an Avengers oh, book. Like, especially when there's, there's a so, really yeah. like unsettling color palette, like in a good way, but I just don't know if it suits this book. I know, I'm with you on that. Like all the battle scenes, especially when they're battling like a frost demon, mm. that makes total sense. It looks fantastic. That the, op- the opening page is brilliant. Yeah, totally. Like that's that uh, Hercules and, and Thor jumping into battle is excellent. Also, I love that Hercules has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then there are there's a lot of talking, you know, karma scenes in like the, the Baxter building, which is now the Parker Industries building. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. It just looks like an eerie fantasy land, even though it's just like a, you know, tech company. Mm. Um. What did you think of the story in this? I mean, I thought it was like I don't I don't understand why I'm like I like Mark Wade. I like Mark Wade a lot. I like pretty much everything he writes. I just don't like this I don't like him on the Avengers at all. I didn't think that this was like a compelling first issue like they're fighting Kang again. It seems like it just seems like another time travel story. This actually there follows There's nothing exciting yeah, about it. It follows directly um off a uh a recent issue of all new, all different mm. Avengers. So if you haven't read this series, you that series, you won't really enjoy this first issue that much. Yeah. And I thought the characterization between each of the characters was a bit weak. I don't know if he's struggling to write that many different characters, but I didn't think Peter Parker seemed especially Peter Parker. Peter Parker-y. I think that I, like the Nadia character is just coming across as like fiery teen and like yeah. it's, uh... or just like, uh, you know, what's her name? Jeanette, Jeanette Von Dyne or whatever, the original yeah, yeah, Janet, wasp, just yeah, kind yeah. of her, except she has a Twitter account. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I probably, I'm probably just going to drop this because I just don't need another I, team I, superhero I, book in my life. I said the same thing about all new, all different Avengers, and all it took was that um, uh, Assault on Pleasant Hill event that mm. Nick Spencer wrote, that to, to, and, I, and then I read all new, all new, all different Avengers ever since that came yeah. out. It doesn't take much for me to kind of go, oh, maybe I do want to read Avengers. It's like, oh, I mean, that that said, I dropped off Justice League pretty fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there is something to be said about that, like, you know, the fact that all the Marvel stuff ties into each other. 
Like it's harder it's harder to drop a Marvel book than it is a DC book. Yeah, true. Like I read one issue of these new DC books that I don't like. I'm like, cool, I'm not gonna read this series anymore. No. Whereas the Marvel view, I'm like, oh, but it's gonna tie into this one soon, and I'm reading that one. I might just keep reading this. See, I hate that. That makes me want to not read it. Just, <laughs> really? To spite them. I know it's their business plan. Um, Bunch I like. Of jerks. Yeah, I don't know. I do like reading comics, and this is a way to keep me doing it. True. Uh, yeah, great art, weird story. I don't know. Fine. I, I'm going I'm to read one more issue. Um, th- this is an also also a very, it feels very padded out, longer longer issue. Yeah. And uh, it looks like there's a bunch of dumb stuff that's going to happen in the future because there's a coming this year in Avengers. Yeah, most of the time I like that sort of stuff. Like I always used to love it in Teen Titans when they would like travel into the future and be like, oh my God, this is what our future is going to be. And then you'd see all the steps that were going to lead them to that. But this I'm just sort of like, oh, I don't find any of those things compelling. Yeah. Although that last page where everyone's being erased from history and they're going off into kind of blobs of paint Bl- almost, space. like yep. amazing. God, yeah. Mike Gelmondo is good. See, I wish they, I wish he, Weird World could continue or he could be put on a like or trippier make, book or make Avengers a trippier book. Or like, make have Aven- it be like, more do Kirby. A, do a series called Avengers in Weird World and they're all stuck yeah. in Weird World for six issues. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, cool. Anyway. So did you read? Did you read Full Killer Number One? Oh no, I didn't. I did. Is this uh, as good as uh, all the other weird Deadpool offshoot characters solo books? Yes, I mean, like I didn't hate this. So this is um, Full Killer is written by Max Bemis with art by Dalibor Talajic. Mm. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, and Full Killer is an old character who was then revamped. To be in Deadpool's Mercs for Money team, I believe. He is a dude who would go around killing people for being fools, obviously. <sighs> like, he's, yeah. And he used to be a cowboy or something. That was his originally out, original right. outfit. Anyway, so in this, he's decided to give it all up, give up the crime, the crime life, and um, become a psychologist. That's kind of interesting. Like, his first client is this guy who calls himself Young um, Red Skull and goes around with the blood of his enemies painted on his face and talks about wanting to be um, the new Red Skull. And the first half of the book is, like, them in therapy and talking through his issues and stuff. And that's stuff I kind of enjoyed. But by the end of the issue, Full Killer is back in costume and, like, ready to kill some fools. Right. And... I just don't care that much. Like, if this would been, if this had been a book, literally about a psychologist rehabilitating supervillains, that's way more interesting. That's a way cooler idea than Fool Killer putting his like padded hockey stuff back on. It had some funny moments, but I just don't. So it, I just it, don't it care is a comedy book, or yeah, like I mean, it's definitely on the lighter side of things. It's not a straight up comedy book, sure, um, but it's got some funny moments. And I didn't hate it. And the art's cool. And the cover by Dave Stewart is excellent. Uh, Dave Johnson, sorry. Um, but yeah, there's just nothing. There's not. It's not enough to keep me keep me there. You know. So of the uh, Daredevil, sorry, Deadpool, um, Mercs for Money solo books. Mm. We had solo. We had this, and we're, we're zero for zero now. Oh no, you're, you said you're going to keep reading solo, aren't you? I said that. <laughs> you are high. <laughs> All right, over to DC now. We had not so much a first issue, but we had a, a number one of a special issue: Catwoman Election Night. Now. I would say that everyone who listens to this podcast, probably, if they pick this one up, they did not pick it up for a Catwoman story. Mm. They picked it up because within this annual is a really, really weird send-off to a series that I loved, and that was DC's Prez, about Mm -hmm. a teenage girl who becomes uh, the president of the United States of America sometime in our future. It was uh, written by Mark Russell, and he is currently writing The Flintstones, which we rave about every month. Um, 
Prez was as good as the Flintstones and similar, you know, um, social commentary and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and satire. Uh, and, you know, particularly as we, you know, enter this weird election week, quite, kind of quite apt. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, um the, the little story revolves around a bunch of politicians discussing a new kind of, um, sweet called mentopause, which is like a lolly that, um, it's like a birth control sweet. And I mean, it was very funny. It was yeah. very good. And it was about how, uh, you know, the government is so much, so, so it can so easily talk about, you know, guns and allow people to carry around guns, but mm. a difficult subject like birth control is so, so hard for the government to have a stance on. Yeah. Um, or to do anything good about. Uh, but in order to get to this story, which, uh, you know, Prez was quite unceremoniously finished after six issues when everyone knew that Mark Russell had 12 in the can. Yeah. So this given- does make me want to go back and finish that series because I dropped off it just because oh, I was really? reading so many things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I need to go back. And you know, Prez is, pick up the trades. And I reckon it would be such so a fun. good six issue just in one read yeah, as well. That's a great afternoon. Um, so I, I I thought this was a really cute little story. I think if you go into this going like, okay, it's the finale of Prez, you are going to be very disappointed. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought it was a cute little story. It was good to see see the characters of the Prez world again, particularly mm. Beth, who's just a great character. And it ends on a really nice note. Yeah, absolutely. As well of like, you know, her... Her, even though she's president, she can't get anything done, but she kind of... She finds ways around She finds things. a way to, to get, do the right thing. Um, in order to get to the Prez story, you have to read a Catwoman election story, which is written by Meredith Finch, who wrote the least popular Wonder Woman run of all time. <laughs> um, and this is a on-the-goddamn-nose uh, story about the elections in Gotham. Yeah. And uh, one of the people going for mayor is Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin. And at one point, Oswald Cobblepot says, let's make Gotham great again. Yeah, like it's the least, like of all of the ridiculous, like every election time we get so many like tie-ins in American comics, which makes sense, obviously. Like I can see from here that um, Hillary Clinton is up on cover of this week's issue of Faith. So that's the kind of thing that happens every single... And and even the aforementioned Flintstones written by Mark Russell. Yes, is an election special. And and there there are references to Trump and Trumpisms in in, in that comic, but they're nowhere near as crap as this. Yeah, like the really unsubtle like... I don't even think that the penguin is like Trump. Penguin's supposed to be smart. Mm. I mean, also, like that that iteration does not work for him at all. Like, yeah, he's not, he he would never rally. I guess he did kind of go for mayor in Batman Returns, but that wasn't that was against his own will. Yeah. Also, that's not the iteration of, of of the penguin that everyone knows from comics from the last decade. But yeah, yeah, this didn't work for me at all. This story, I thought, it was so crap. Yeah, just boring and not that cool, and like such a different. Like, we see a really vicious version of um, Selena Kyle in this week's Batman, and this was just nothing like that, nothing is nowhere near as cool. Um, And also, like, uh, Shane Cubis, I am not super familiar with his work, but this is a great example of an artist um, not paying attention to, like, the clothes of his characters. It's like clothes don't, uh, as if, like, nothing is expressed through physical identity. It's all just these, like... Just a, a a purple shirt, purple shirt, yeah. and like a ribbon in her hair because she's a little girl and stuff like that. Like, there's just nothing, nothing much there. Yeah, you know? it ends with a, with a cute nod to Prez, which I won't spoil, but it's not really worth reading the comic to get it. No, just um, um like I mean, to be honest, just buy this and skip to the Prez story. Yeah, the Prez stories. I mean, if you like that series, you'll like a little little end note on Prez. Um, 
over to not Marvel and not DC, although we will return to those books uh, once we finish First Things First. Uh, <laughs> Terry Moore put out a new book this week. Uh, from his own abstract studio imprint. Um, Terry Moore, of course, famous for Rachel Rising, um, Echo, Mm -hmm. and, of course, Strangers in Paradise. Is that correct, Jim? Yes, Yes. it is. Um, uh, Terry Moore is one of the most beloved writers and artists of King's Comics' own Jim (laughs) (laughs) Pabadabadaba. That is is how you pronounce his name. Uh, and uh, Terry Moore's new comic is called Motor Girl, um, and it is a, uh, a quite a like a, a, a fun, strange concept. Yeah. Uh, about a a young young veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, I always I always hesitate before describing someone who's young as a veteran because veteran has that old age kind of yeah, absolutely. But thing. she's she's a um, a young woman working as a mechanic who has recently returned from a. Tour of duty, I suppose mm-hmm. you'd call it, and now seems to be hallucinating a big a talking big gorilla, gorilla which, I mean, this couldn't be more for me. <laughs> I don't know. If the gorilla wasn't wearing a shirt, maybe it'd be more for you. <laughs> makes me sound so weird. <laughs> and also, he's not in these panels. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he, uh, she works in a junkyard fixing up old cars. Has this funny relationship with a, an imaginary gorilla, and uh, there are aliens in it too. I did not see like every t- every time I turned the page, I was like, oh, I guess this is happening now. Yeah, yeah, in a good I loved way, though, this. in an absolute good way. A Terry Moore is like such such a master cartoonist. Like every oh, panel yeah. is so full of like motion and action and expression, expression yeah. and um, I think I'm not sure if he also letters his own stuff. Um, yeah, he, he does it all. Like it's the most yep. expressive lettering. If yes, that sounds crazy. This. Like, I, yeah, I loved this. I loved this. I'm so on board for the rest of the series, and I love, I love getting black and white comics every now and again. It's just nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess that, that, that's a good seek to talk about love and rockets. Yeah, but uh, yeah, just so we should know, uh, we will absolutely be reading Motor Girl from absolutely uh, from from this point forward. I, I've never actually read anything that Terry Moore's done. No, I think this is like I've read a little bit of Strangers in Paradise, but very very little. I know that um, they're, again, they're like most beloved runs that that people that have read them. Even Rachel Rising was one of the most raved about comics for those who are actually reading it. Yeah, and that's all available. Rachel Rising is finished, and that's all available in one omnibus edition, which you can buy at King's Comics. And then you can kill yourself with it because omnibuses yep, suck. It's huge. <laughs> Um, Love and Rockets is uh, similarly loved in the same way that Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore is uh, in that it went, ran for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters, it's a bit, Love and Rockets started by two brothers, Gilbert and Jamie Hernandez. There was a third brother, but he doesn't do comics anymore. Uh, it started in 1982 through Fan of Graphics Comics and uh, all the characters introduced in those early books still exist today and they continually write these characters and who age in real time. So characters that were teenagers in the 80s are now well into their 40s. It is an unbelievable and and, and rare and different read. Uh, I did not read issue one of the new stories. They're now, they're, they've gone back to magazine imprint. I said I would catch up on everything first, and I've, I've only just finished her catching up. So uh, I'm now ready to read this. But Siobhan, this was your intro <laughs> to Love and Rockets. You just went straight in. Well, I've never, I've never read any Love and Rockets before, but I like everyone raves about it. It's one of those comic books that like I'm constantly ashamed that I haven't read. Um, 
and this was not a good starting point, guys. There is no <laughs> like, there is no recap page. There is no indication. You should know who these characters are just from how they're drawn. Um, so I would, but this like it really, really is engaging and made me want to know what was going on, especially with all the weird, um, like the Gilbert Hernandez stuff that gets. It's all sort of weird and porny and yeah. <laughs> ladies with giant boobs and everyone's working in porn movies but i couldn't everyone's related i didn't know what was going on um but i want to know <laughs> so i'm gonna now have to um borrow and read the entire series yeah I, i'm very curious as to which brother you'll enjoy more because jamie hernandez is you can tell is like directly influenced by dan de carlo yeah yeah who yeah did, yeah that's Archie. the thing like that's like this is such an appealing package like it's a nice big magazine format so you get like a really beautiful full page there's no ads and um such beautiful cartooning like such clean classic lines it's just like you understand why they are as um beloved as they yeah. are yeah well, but then gilbert hernandez is is, is sketchier but his work is often like I, I would describe it as like a, a pornographic soap opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which just sounds so up my alley. Put a gorilla in there. It's <laughs> <laughs> only one, guys. Uh, yeah, so I mean, a lot of people know Love and Rockets is the comic with the girls with the ginormous boobs. That is an element of it. Absolutely, there is a lot more to it. Mm. <laughs> I swear, <laughs> uh, I cannot wait to read read this. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm looking for. I, I don't know how often it's going to come out, but the, the, the idea that we're going to be reviewing Love and Rockets on this show is very exciting to me yeah, because that's very it's cool. a very important comic to me. Even though I've only read it, I've I've, I've read it. It's it's a long, long read. If you want to read all of it, uh, I've pretty much done it in mm. the last eighteen months. Wow, impressive! Yeah, good fun. Um, over to Only Press right now and a new book by Ulysses Farinas and Eric Freitas with Ryan Hill. Uh, this one's called Motro or Motro. How mm-hmm. would you describe this? Motro. Um, I mean, it's sort of in that kind of weird sci-fi. It's got like Mad Max elements, I feel. Like it's kind of this future dystopia. It, it also feels a bit like, um, reminding me a little bit of, Paul Pope's Battling Boy yep. or um, even some of Brandon Graham's work yeah, I was just say, from like the cartooning style and just the vibe of the the future society. Like uh, this is something that I would expect to read in Ireland which is yeah, Brandon Graham and um, Emma Rios's uh, anthology. Uh, this is uh, about a, a young warrior um, who is trying to take on he's like his father's died and he has taken it upon himself to kind of uh, what does his father ask him to do? Like save them, save them. So he's trying to save everybody, and um, he's learning that you know going into battle head headstrong can have bad ramifications. So and this is this is a a boy hero who's not afraid to cry, not afraid to ha- show his emotions in this scary world. Um, I loved this. Yeah, it's it's right up my alley. Such cool. Um, such a cool cartooning style. I'm currently yeah. trying to figure out what else Ulysses Farinas has done because I don't, I'm not super familiar. It, it, it's, 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 it's like a fanographics book. It's the kind of book that you, you would only ever really see as like a, you know, a, a, a hardcover kind of one and done trade or something like that. And, and getting a book like this monthly is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he did some work on Glory, which was an image. Um, series that I really, really, really loved from yep. a couple of years ago. It came um, came so back. It was an old image property that came back at the same time as uh, Brandon Graham took over um, Profit. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So uh, Motro definitely going to add this one to the list. Uh, if you like your comics a little on the weird side, uh, definitely pick this one up. Absolutely great art, fun story. Really highly recommend. 
Um, finally, the Liberty Annual 2016. Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Sorry, um, that's just that's right. That's, that's what it is. So this is a this comes out each year, and it's like a bunch of stories about um, important figures in history, mm-hmm. uh, written and drawn by different creators, and all proceeds from this go towards the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Absolutely, and some of these are um, taken from graphic novels that have already come out or are coming out. Um, like the there is a story in here by Mary M. Talbot and Brian Talbot. Um, which is about a famous anarchist um, figure called Louise Mitchell. I loved. I loved that was that, that book. for me. That was the highlight of, of the comic. Mitchell, sorry. So, um, so that, that that book is is worth getting. Absolutely, the worth Red getting. Red Virgin and loved the Vision of it. Utopia. You yes. you reviewed that on on this, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I really enjoyed that. I love Mary Talbot's um, historical comics. They're amazing. But, but this has heaps and heaps of great content in it from amazing um, amazing creators. Uh, Brandon Graham is in here. Joe Keating is in here. Ron Win- Ronald Wimberley, Paul Pope. Um, yeah. I mean, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know why you're. I don't understand why you're reading comics. <laughs> um, and it's also like it's important to support the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Um, sounds boring, but they do a lot of good work in supporting creators who maybe aren't supported by the industry in other ways. Um, and so you can actually join up, become a member, donate to them, and I think that's an awesome cause. Definitely. Um, I mentioned Ronald Wimberley just quickly, and I thought this is a good opportunity to uh, mention the uh, image hardcover version of yes. Prince of Cats. Have you yes. had a flip through that yet? Yeah, it's amazing. I would like it is for one. It's forty Australian dollars. Yeah, which is ridiculously cheap. Absolutely. Uh, it's it, this Prince of Cats is Ronald Wimberley writing and drawing a version of Romeo and Juliet set in Harlem mm-hmm. from the point of view of Tybalt. Yeah, and uh, it is so good on every level as a story to look at but this version because I've only got the ver- it came out on Vertigo years ago and Vertigo never like didn't push it at all support it at all it's a, it actually it went, went out of it did one print mm-hmm. it went it sold out and they never reprinted it but yeah. um, Image were able to get it they've put it out in this unbelievable hardcover it's in a it's in a nice oversized format which is how um, he'd always intended it to look it is a beautiful edition and the, it is the extra one of, stuff is great like it looks so good and it's one of my all-time favorite comic series i think that um ron wimbley does such an incredible job of merging the sort of traditional shakespearean language with the slang it's an he's such a unique voice and creator in comics and like the work that he does in this um single issue is just a couple of pages that's more kind of design focused but it's so so beautiful and he's so talented i'm i'm such a fan yeah definitely um, yeah, h- highly recommend uh, if you you know, for, especially for Christmas too. If you got you got someone that loves that Romeo and Juliet stuff, but wants a different take on it, a good one even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Prince of Cats, very <laughs> very good trade. I heard someone describe it as like a million times better than the Baz Luhrmann. That was me last oh, week. There you go. On there serious you go. issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a good was, episode. That was good all the number ones I read, but you read one more. Um, I also read an issue. Um, new series by Alex DeCampi called Mayday um, with art by Tony Parker which has an awesome um, image of Jane Fonda. Alex DeCampi is best known for doing the Grindhouse um, series at Dark Horse Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I've not read anything that he's done in a long while. So this is like um, this is going to be a series about two CIA agents and various, um, various adventures that they have throughout History. This is like it's very it, it's very grindhouse influenced as well. This what first issue was set in the seventies. It's all sort of um, it gets really trippy halfway through. 
I didn't, I found this confusing and I think partially that might be down to like um, the way it was laid out. I didn't find it super clear in terms of storytelling, mm-hmm. um, but I loved everything else about it. I sort of like, <laughs> I like the vibe. I like those kinds of stories. I love Grindhouse stuff. So I was, I'm going to stick with it for another issue just to see, see if um, it becomes clearer. Yep. Um, but I love the cover. I think that's such a cool that's cover. That's a great cover. Mayday, number one. Check it out, guys. Part one of a five-part series. That is the end of First Things First. All of last week's brand new comics reviewed for you. Uh, should we try and rank these? <laughs> should we? Uh, well, let's just say... Let's just say Thor... Number one. Number one. And uh, then um, Motor Girl, number two. Yep. And, um, I don't know, Avengers... Butro three. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Avengers is last. No, no, Full Killer. Avengers is better than Full Killer, right? Or is Full Killer better I than that? I think I liked Full Killer better Jeez than Avengers. Louise. Hard to please. What can I say? Uh, if you liked or disliked any of these books, the funnest thing for you to do is come and tell us and discuss these comics with us in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. There's about 200 people over there. We talk about comics all day. And it's we would so love, fun. We'd love for you to join us. I get so little work done. <laughs> um, of course, you can also discuss uh, on our regular Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll be putting up images of some of our favorite images. Sorry, pictures of some of our favorite panels mm. of the week and we uh, enjoy talking to you and of course you can get in touch with us through the website which is serious issues at kingscomics.com send us an email and we can discuss things that are important to you on future episodes please do Siobhan it's now time for the most popular segment of serious <laughs> issues and that is flip a coin for Marvel or DC DC is heads or tails heads okay heads it is DC nice. time everybody which is good because there are way more DC books than there were Marvel this week, for me at least. Oh, maybe not. Uh, oh, yeah, no, no, true. Did I miss out on Oh, no, you're right. Cool, sweet. Okay, cool. Uh, should we talk about Batman first? Yeah, might as well. I Am Suicide Part 2 in Issue 10 of Batman by Tom King with art by Mikkel Janin. Who has been doing the Nightwing series, correct? No. No. Why did I think he's been doing Nightwing? Maybe he has. Grayson. Grayson. He did Grayson. Thank you, Lynn. And he also did the uh, the Batman Rebirth issue. Right, there you go. That's all I know him from. Um, this is a book in which Batman tries to take down Bane. Naked Bane. Naked Bane. As is, he is known. Yeah, that's his new name now. That's his new name. His last name is Bane. His first, first name is Naked. naked. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Uh, Bane lives on a prison island. Mm-hmm. Batman flies a plane there, crashes, then slowly makes his way through hundreds of Bane's guards. Um, to try and take Bane down. Yeah. Because Bane has Psycho Pirate captive and Batman needs Psycho Pirate to fix Gotham Girl. If you are not reading Batman right now, that makes no sense. But sucked in, you should be reading it. Absolutely. That said, issue, this issue uh, with its uh, second story, which is narrated by Catwoman as Batman makes his way through... uh, Bane's base. Did you realize that it was Catwoman the whole way through? Yeah, like immediately. Cause, How? Because she says she's an orphan and um, made her way through different... She made, made her through made her through lots of different orphanages and she was in different foster homes. There's all, that's all stuff. You, and you, also, Catwoman was in the last issue. Yeah, to be honest, the whole way through this, I read it as a narration from Bane until, <laughs> it's, until he said, the cat and the bat. And I was like, does Bane think he's a cat? Oh, God. <laughs> so I was heaps confused. Um, yeah, so it's narrated by Catwoman, um, but I, I, I guess this is like you know it, it's it's the it's the the journey 
on the yeah. way to to the next big explosive issue. Um, and sometimes these issues aren't as good as the explosive ones. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm very I'm very curious. We, we learn why Catwoman killed a bunch of people, which she'd been charged with at the end of the last issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess I was kind of satisfied with, with that part of it. Yeah, totally. And I liked this. Like, I like this kind of slightly scary, ruthless Selena Kyle. I think that's a cool version. Yeah. So now we've got um, the ventriloquist, <laughs> Catwoman, um, Punch yeah, sorry, and Julie. The moment, the moment I realized it wasn't Bane was when he, she goes, why when we kiss? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that issue. But so Batman and his weird Suicide Squad team uh, yeah. are all on... Uh, Santa Prisca. Exactly. They've infiltrated Bane's island. So, they're going to break Bane. Yeah. And, like, I thought it was, like, Bane sort of breaks Batman's back and then Batman fixes his back. Yeah. Like, bends it back to, I don't know, and then it falls in water. That's how you fix your broken back. Everyone knows that. There you go. Confusing. Uh, While we talk about Tom King, I want to talk about the final issue of Series 1 of The Sheriff of Babylon. Oh, yeah. Nice. Which is his Vertigo book with with, um, Mitch Gerrards on art. Um, about a CIA agent in Baghdad. Um, and uh, I just want to say that this um, issue made me want to immediately go and reread them all from the start. So I'm going to go on a plane tomorrow and I will be bringing all 12 issues of Sheriff of Babylon uh, because, look, it's an incredibly strong story. One of the best comics I've read all year. I rave about Tom King constantly. You know this. Uh, art by Mitch Gerrard is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, perfect for the story. Um, but uh, I thought this was going to be the, the, the finale of, of the entire book, but there's going to be another season of Sheriff Babylon, which is great news. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, you get some amount of conclusions in this. Um, there are a few... I guess it's, look, it's just it's the, it's the ultimate thing. When you are reading a dramatic book that doesn't have superheroes in it, mm. sometimes reading it month to month, you miss certain moments that when a finale like you know, concludes things, you're like, who was that again? Mm. Um then it wasn't too bad in this. I was I I've, I've finished this issue very satisfied, but I think I'll be even more satisfied if I read it all in one big book. And so that's what you want from like the final issue of a monthly book to make you feel like you want to go back and reread the whole thing. Yeah, it ends in like this has not been a pleasant series to read, as mm. you can imagine, about a book set in Baghdad. Um, I uh, I highly highly recommend everyone buying buying this book when the uh, second trade comes out and 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 reading it because it's it's. It's unbelievable um, comic storytelling. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, you've read the first trade, yeah, Siobhan? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the first trade's amazing. The second trade, I think, you know, it, it, it's it's really rare. It, it feels like absolute classic, talked about forever Vertigo, except with an incredible modern comic storytelling edge. Awesome. Uh, great news is that uh, it seems that while they're on break in between season one and season two of Sheriff of Babylon. After this I Am Suicide run of Batman, Mitch Jarrod is going to be the main artist on Batman, which is cool. really cool news because uh, his art is spectacular and he's been putting, he's been tweeting images of his Bat stuff and they're so good. They're so different to what mm. you normally see from a Batman book. So That's very awesome. excited about that. Uh, Tom King, very much in the running for best writer of the year, but you're going to get your chance to vote on that. Because we're going to be uh, quite soon figuring out how you put together the voting forms mm. and uh, putting out the first ever uh, end of year serious issues comic book awards voting form. So I'm excited. Stay tuned for that. Tom Should King. we send people trophies if they win? What, Tom King? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. yeah, yeah. Hey, can you please, please send us your address, Tom King. <laughs> <laughs> we have a trophy for you. <laughs> Um, before we get back to DC, I just want to quickly talk about Unfollow. I'm Fine. Like, sorry. Unfollow, num- <laughs> issue number 13. 
This book, actually, Lynn is sitting right next to me. You read this too, right? How fucking good was issue 13 of Unfollow? So, this had a guest artist on it, um, someone who I'm not familiar with, Simon Gain. And just like the um, Young Animal stuff has art that just blo- like especially on, uh, um, uh, what was the one that came out this week? We can talk about it next. Um, Shade the Changing Girl, the art on that and also the art on um, Doom Patrol. Like that for me is like, that's the exact kind of comic book art that I want to see on a book. Totally. This artist is so fucking good. Like, you know, it's, it, it is always annoying and a bit like it kind of pulls you away from the main story when you get a, yeah. a fill-in artist um, on it? a separate month. His name's Sorry. Simon Simon Gain. Hmm. Again, and, I'm not, and it is so good. Yeah, and that's so cool. So, like, when, 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 it, yeah, because, like, you know, the, the Flash issue, for example, last week, mm. it had a very different artist that was just not suited to the style of the book at all. This is a tonally different artist, but, like, man, such a good issue. Um, it tells a bit of backstory about Akira, who is one of the um, main characters of the, um, of the few that were chosen um, to, uh, like, he, well, he's a, a one for, of the 140 people that were chosen to uh, inherit the, the millions of this uh, dying trillionaire. Cool. Unfollow is a great book. Um, you know, if, if you're going to pick two books that Vertigo put out this year that, that show that Vertigo still has it, they are Sheriff of Babylon and Unfollow, and uh, you should be reading both of them, in my opinion. Catch up, Siobhan. I will. I'm reading them in trade. But we can't talk about trade. We don't talk about trade. It's not. It's the third worst (laughs) (laughs) form of reading comics. (laughs) Um, Cool. Um, All right. Back to DC. Back to serious comics. All right. Let's talk about Superman. Superman. Okay. This was the best issue ever. Yeah. This is my my favorite comic of the week, I think. I think it's like um, when Lynn was reading this in the break room. She would stop every couple of pages and hide her face in the comic because of how much she was, like, giggling. And I think that's something such a... Like, I'm pretty sure I did the exact same thing, but in the privacy of my own home. And, and after this happened, you guys recreated the front cover of this book, which you can see on the King's Comics Facebook page, which I think may be the best Facebook post that either of you have ever done. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we are such huge dogs. Siobhan, you were, you were Robin. And, yes. And... Uh, and Lynn was, was John Kent. Very good. Good stuff. <laughs> and thank goodness we have staff with such differing heights because Lynn and I are tiny <laughs> and Talia and Scott Rowe are giants. So, uh, yeah, if you want to see the Kings, Kings comics up to their bloody antics again, <laughs> go to the Kings comics Facebook page. See this, see this. We also recreated the Prince of Cats cover. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that, that was, was, cool that was very good. Uh, so, this uh, issue, uh, finally we see Damian Wayne and John Kent face-to-face. We know that they're going to get a book very soon called Super Sons, which mm-hmm. we're both very excited about. But, man, if it is anything like this, this was so enjoyable. Was and I've heard reviews of this. And people hated it. What? I think a lot of people have, like, passionate hatred of Damian Wayne in their in their blood. Why? I mean, he, yeah. Like, he's, he's annoying, but he's annoying on purpose. And, the, like, I found this, like, I found him so funny the so whole way through funny. this book. And, like, the comparison between he and um, John, who's, like, this perfect farm boy, like, really well-behaved, really respectful to his elders, and Damien, who's just this, like, little nasty little shit. jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. So funny. Like, and... Uh, Alfred you know, being extra nice to John and, like, bringing him cakes and stuff like so, that. Like, oh, Yeah, because da- Damien kidnaps John Kent. So, of course, Superman... And, and takes him back to the Batcave. And, you know, Batman's not very very happy with Damien that he's done this and then of course Superman busts in mm-hmm. with his eyes all red ready to fight you know what What have you done with my son <laughs> and then so you have like John John Kent trying to cool down Batman and Superman and then they cool down and he, and he does so with his cool ice breath yeah which is real sick and then uh 
they basically like Damien Wayne and John Kent start to be friends. And then uh, Damien is just a little prick again. And, and John punches him and they start to fight. And uh, they get broken up by, by Batman and Superman. And the next issue is supposedly called Boot Camp. Yay! I could read so many issues of Batman and Superman just trying to be cool dads. I'm going to write an article. I'm, I'm, I don't know who I'm going to pitch it to, but I will, I will find the, uh, a, a, a publisher dumb enough to, to publish my ranting. But I want to write an article about parenting in comics in 2016. Mm. Because I feel like, I mean, like, yeah, it's always a pretty present thing, but... Uh, yeah, we've got like Spider Woman, Spider Woman, Superman, Batman, all these books um, that are explicitly the about Flintstones, yeah, uh, Ant Man, uh, yep. like so many comics. And then at the end of this issue of Young Animal, Gerard Way wrote a little piece and said that jewelry isn't a gift you give just once; it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The one thing that ties all of the young animal books together is parenting. Really? They're all about parenting in some weird way. They're all Hmm. about, yeah. Interesting. Um, Well, not so much. They're all about like, about, what does he say here? Um... It is the relationship between a parent and child that seems to be the unifying element among all of these books. Interesting. It's a, it really wasn't planned this way, but that is how things came out. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Superman is just... I could read a million issues of Pete Tomasi and Patrick Lee, especially with Gleason on art. Especially Jeez. like Patrick Lee's so on good. art. It's and so good. And he draws like... He draws such a funny Damien and such a like... Oh, man, the bit where Damien is introducing him to um, all of his pets. Yep. So good. So, so great. Funny. Also, you know, th- these these... They have, like, of course, they nail the tone of, of, of Damian Wayne because mm. they wrote Batman and Robin. They, they created Batman and Robin for, for, for however many issues during New 52. It was like one, of the, one of the best books that DC were putting out at the time. Exactly. They and I the love, um, really well. I think that they do such an awesome job of, like, Superman, Superman is back to being that big blue Boy Scout. You know, like, he just charms everyone. Like, there's a bit where he says, you know, it's hard to miss that smile, young lady, which could sound creepy, but you just, like, the way everything is is written, you just go, like, oh, you would. Like, Superman's the best. He's Obama. He's just a big, sweet guy. (laughs) It's the best. I love it. Um, Cool. Superman number 10. Very good issue of a very good series. Can we talk about Flintstones number five? Oh, yes, please. Because this was as good as Superman for me. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. This as is many laugh out loud moments easily. Yeah, on the front cover, bedrock the vote. So mm-hmm. you know that this is going to have you know tones with the election, especially you know we knew it was going to come because Mark Russell is very politically minded when it comes to his writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on this book with Steve Pugh on art. We love this series, and it just gets better and better. It is able to be an outright comedy book with deeply serious and and saddening undertones like it, and it really does not hold back like no it is baffling that he is allowed to do this with a franchise as like ingrained in our heads as the Flintstones absolutely like there are so many moments in this that make you laugh but in like like they make me ache yeah like it's funny but it's so on point and so heartbreaking and so brilliant like we're getting the most like Exact and and, 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 and and thoughtful social commentary mm. through a fucking Flintstones book. I know. And I know that every single review of this book anywhere pretty much says those th- same things. And I'm sure Mark Russell is sick of hearing it. But it is. it doesn't make sense. It's constantly baffling. It's so, such a good book that you can give to like anyone you care about and they will like go, oh, wow, the Flintstones is the best. I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, so this one, this one is about there's a, there's a um, election for a, a new leader. Um, to be, is it to be mayor uh, of Bedrock? I guess so. And except uh, he is the ancestor of, sorry, not the, the, uh, like the, the child of uh, his ancestor who sent Fred and Barney into war against the tree people. Mm. And so Fred kind of has flashbacks to war. So we see a lot of backstory of them in war against the tree people. Meanwhile, Pebbles and Bam Bam at their school, there's a, there's a class election. Mm-hmm. And of all people in this book to have the... Uh, the Trump lines. It's uh, it's this bully who's going. He's going for uh, trying to become the mayor, the the, uh, the class president. He's Ralph, and his his official um, campaign slogan is "Vote for me, or I'll punch you in the beef." Which, which I need to incorporate more into my yeah, and, into and, my conversation. And it's, a, and it's a joke that they just keep going, and it pays off in a great way. It when, just never stops being funny. Yeah, it's very telling good. someone that you're going to punch him in the beef. So <laughs> while there are absolute laugh out moments, there are stupid puns. There's you know. All manner of comedy throughout this. There is this awful undertone of the horrible deeds that Fred and Barney had to do while they were in the army fighting the tree people. And then it ends because every one of these issues is a, is a one shot, but each of them builds on the story in its own little way. Yeah. And here we learn the true story of how um, Betty and, and, and Barney, is it Barney and Betty? Mm-hmm. Got, got Bam Bam. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like devastating it's so heartbreaking but so beautiful and like there's a joke early on about why like why barney and betty can't have a baby yeah like they go and see an oracle and it says slow sperm so saith the oracle and then it's all about like the difficulties of trying to get pregnant and like like it's like there's so many layers and that that factors into why barney makes the decision to join the army yeah there's a lot going on in this book. It's, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. And it, I really just hope it continues for a long while. Absolutely. Like I, I'm hoping that DC and Warner Brothers and Hannibal Bear people, like, this, you know, this is like the, at the bottom of their book pile. They'll never read it. And when they finally <laughs> do, it'll be at like issue 40 and then they'll cancel it. I'll be like, God damn. <laughs> um, and it, like I say this every single time, but Steve Pugh, wow, what an amazing cartoonist. Doing the best work of his life brilliant. at the moment brilliant. on this too. Yeah. Flintstones, that first trade is going to be an incredible gift for everyone that you know in your life. Agreed. Shade the Changing Girl, number two, by Cecil Castellucci and Marley Zacconi on art with Kelly Fitzpatrick on colours. 
This has been my favorite of the Young Animals books. I was going to say the same thing. Continues to be my favorite of the Young Animals books. For one that's about, like, insanity. Yeah. It makes the most sense out of all three of the uh, Young Animal books. And I know someone has said said that, you know, that they disagree with us saying that uh, when, we, when we said it for issue one. But this, this like story think, is easy to follow. Yeah, but I think that's like, I think that's cool. If people are finding, um, like, uh, understanding in Doom Patrol and Cape Carson as a cybernetic eye that I'm not, that's awesome. Like, I love totally. that these books are so... Like, there doesn't seem to be consensus across the board of which is the best or which is the, like, most interesting. Everyone seems to find something different in each of these books, and I think that's really cool. Personally, like, a story about that is partially about teenage girls and bullying during high school and fitting in is... I mean, this is the most honest portrayal of high school bullying I feel like I've Definitely. seen in a comic book it's in a long time. absolutely brutal. Yeah. Heartbreaking. And, and a lot of the bullying happens with no redemption whatsoever, and it's not just you know, it's not just done to establish that like you know oh that's the bully. It's mm. like no everyone is a bully in this book because yeah. that's kind of what school's like. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's a bully to someone. Um, so yeah, we have uh, a um, an alien who has transported her 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 mind and soul into the comatose body of a teenager, and uh, she was she was the worst of of, of, of the girls at her high school, and uh, but now she is insane. Yeah. And, and returning to school and and she has the she has the madness jacket which is what shade shade the changing man um wore and it it has madness powers and that's sort of i like i like how vague that is and i like how many things that is able to mean in this comic yeah. i think that's so cool and clever and so yeah while, while shade the changing girl is trying to fit into uh in, back into school and you know re-meet all of her friends uh you have the people on on her home planet that she that she stole the jacket from trying to find her and more importantly trying to find the jacket before true damage is done this is a great book great book great book An oh unbelievable my God. art by marley zacconi yeah how, i don't understand how i've never heard of her before because this is right up our alleys so 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 fun so good um and there are some really funny lines in this as well like i like it when um the girls the shades sort of bodies mum says are you even wearing a bra she just goes i don't know what that word is and then leaves <laughs> that made me giggle yeah good book brilliant love it nightwing issue eight rise of raptor part two by uh tim seeley and is it javier fernandez we'll never know it's we'll written it's know. written somewhere within this book uh yeah javier fernandez um uh, this is the finale to i guess the story that's been told since this book started with uh, Nightwing Rebirth. Uh, he's basically Dick Grayson has been um, teamed up with someone that is like kind of, he breaks all of the rules that Batman taught uh, Dick to abide. Mm. And um, he kind of believes that that's the right thing. You know, this, this, this is the way Dick Grayson should be, should be fighting. This is, you know, the reasons he should be fighting for, not, not Batman's way. And so the entire book is about him breaking down Batman's teachings to to carry on in Raptor's teachings instead. But yeah. who is Raptor, Siobhan? He is some bro from Nightwing's past. And we find out he how, knew how close to, mom. Yeah. And Nightwing's mom was a thief, and that's crazy. Were you satisfied by this ending? Nah. Really? I just, I'm, uh, to be honest, I don't know. <laughs> This week, I just felt super over a lot of superhero books. Right. Um, and I just felt like I'm tired of the, uh, 
this is actually your secret history of course, thing because yeah, yeah. I just feel like we've had that a lot lately. And I just don't care about Nightwing's past. And I don't care about Nightwing's mum. Who cares about her, his mum? She fell off a trapeze. Yeah. Well, the end. Fine, yeah, that's it. That's the entire thing. And I, I'm, I'm just tired of like, oh, this mysterious shadowy figure who was actually really important to my whole history has just shown up, and it rewrites my entire history. And that's crazy. Well, I, I did like that Raptor kidnapped Batman and then set up a, a ridiculously elaborate death trap. Yeah, it was going to be stabbed with a silver spoon. That's that the was best. Lame. No, it's so funny. No. That's, that's so classic Batman. Mm. Death traps are great. Death traps are great, but I just thought that was a particularly like on the nose. In honor like of death really... traps, this episode is called "Death Traps Are Great." <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Um, yeah, I just but, well, I think it's so, so good because like when so Raptor kidnaps Bruce Wayne, and upon finding out that uh, that 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 Wayne stock has gone up upon that now that everyone knows that he's been kidnapped for some reason, once it. Uh, <laughs> Once the the stock the stock reaches two hundred, I don't even know what if that's that mean? a thing. What that means? Whatever that means. We clearly have a lot of stocks. Drops into B- Bratman's chest. Yeah. But also, he's like suspended, spoon. like thousands of feet up in the air as well. The actual like the quote is: "When the stock price reaches two hundred dollars, this lever will be released, plunging a sharpened silver spoon right into your blue blood pumping heart." I loved it. Lame. <laughs> I'm all for. Um, killing the 1%. <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's it. Um, but, you know, like, I just thought that, like, and I'm down with symbolic killings as well. <laughs> you just didn't like the death trap. Yeah, I just thought that was, an, okay. thought that was a lame death trap. I thought, oh, yeah, okay. All right. Death by spoon. Imagine if De- Batman was fucking killed by a spoon. <laughs> <With> a spoon. <laughs> um, all right. Death of Hawkman, number two, um, by... Uh, Mark Andreco and art by Aaron Lopresti. Um, this is about Adam Strange on the planet of Ran, which uh, is being invaded by the bird people. And I um, guess he's a bird people. Bad ma- bird man. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> um, you remember everyone's favorite superhero, bird man. What's he? What's he uh, Thana- Thanagrian? Hawkman. Thanagara. Thanagarian. Thanagaran. Yeah. Um, so we know that he's going to die. Um, and we're two issues into a six-issue run, and he's already bleeding profusely um, and uh, trying to team up with Adam Strange. But uh, his Adam Strange's partner, who he's been teleported to see, and also she's like a king or something. <laughs> um, she hates bird people. I don't look. I'm confused, but I'm still enjoying this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was good. That was a good description of what happens in this book. And then Adam Strange's wife, she's a something. Um, but I think like it's a confusing book. It's a, like um, unless you have a special affection for like the Ran Thanagar stories, which I've literally never met anyone who does. I feel like you can give this a pass. So I didn't think like I thought this was fine, but I thought it was pretty average. I just like it because it really just feels like a book, a DC book that I would have stumbled onto ten years ago. That's true. And I I, I miss those things. Who's this guy again? I don't know, Red Boy. At the end, <laughs> the, the, there's a, there's the red, a big the old red, red demon boy. guy with like a fin on his head and three eyes. He's not Trigon. Another one. What about um the? Can't think of his name. What about hairy naked Hawkman at the end? See, you think that should be exactly what I'm after, but I thought that um, I thought even that bit was lame. Whoa, 
lame male nudity. I know. Now I've heard everything. Who would have expected? Midnighter and Apollo, issue two of six. Uh, I am gather you were even more lost in this one. Yes. Yeah, cool. Um, this is a great book if you've read everything to do with Midnighter and Apollo leading up to this. If you haven't, well, you will not enjoy this because there's a lot to follow and it's confusing, but it's well told, good storytelling. Steve Orlando, I really want to enjoy everything you do as much as your Midnighter book, but you make it hard sometimes. But yeah, this totally. book, you didn't. I liked it. Yeah, I didn't like it just because I have so little idea what's going on. Yep. Um, I wish that this had been an easier jumping on point. I mean, like, I mean, I guess it's pretty basic. Like, Apollo's died, and now Midnighter has to go bring him back from hell. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like that's a story that's been done. Not with these characters, though. So it's very different. So it's very new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the end of our DC books. <laughs> We've got, got we got, we got a couple of Marvel books. Uh, should we start with Champions, number two? Yeah. Uh, this is another one written by Mark Wade, um, art by Humberto Ramos. And uh, this is the team of Ms. Marvel, Spider-Man, Nova, the totally awesome Hulk, Viv Vision, and now a young Cyclops. Um, this book, just you know, I just said that um, the death of Hawkman makes me feel like reading a book, a comic from ten years ago. Mm. This book makes me feel like I'm reading a comic from twenty years ago, and, and that is a great feeling. <laughs> and it looks like one too, right? Yeah. I sort of, I still feel like as we're going along in this episode, I'm feeling more and more like maybe Mark Wade has a little bit of trouble ba- balancing this many characters because it just feels like well, this many books. You shouldn't write um, this many books. Yeah, no How? one should be writing this many books. Like l- l- that's why like half of me's things aren't great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it just seems very like everyone's quippy and it's not like a well-balanced conversation i don't know but it was funny and the last page really made me laugh and then showed everyone i don't know if that's what it intended to do this is just really fun to me and like the stakes are low i don't like you know i I enjoy seeing kids accidentally fuck up all the time that's great and yeah totally making out oh the last panel this is hilarious the last panel is like amadeus cho as the hulk hulked out making out with viv vision and like what? <laughs> so weird. Um, yeah. So if you like ginormous green monster slash android makeout sessions, Champions number two is for you. I, I like. I, I definitely like this book more than the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely better than the Avengers. I probably don't like it as much as Teen Titans, which I think has a very, very similar no. Vibe. But I would compare this to like Young Justice. Yeah, I just don't think it's. Um, well, I mean, like it's the exact same team as Young Justice, so I think that's like intentional. Um, Oh, was 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 that Wade and Ramos? I believe so. Yeah, for right. Really, some of it, and for the impulse stuff, for sure. I thought that was um, Peter David on Young Justice. No, yeah. no, no. But, but, but no, we're talking about uh, uh, Young, Young Justice. Justice. Yeah. Haha. Oh, <laughs> suck eggs. Well, I'm thinking about impulse. Uh. <laughs> um. Um. Cool. Champions number two. How about Spider Woman number thirteen? I still love this book. Yeah, but what That's a bummer. Sad. Oh, man, what a bummer. Spoilers, a character dies. He gets fridged. Um, does he? he doesn't really get fridged. He's no one's boyfriend. Yeah, but it's a it's a potential romantic partner being killed off to spur some okay. spur some activity. My, it was my, a nice it was a nice um reversal of the usual fridging. Also, you don't see his body. I'm not yeah. convinced that this guy actually died. No, no, and no one's dead. No one's yeah. dead in comics. Well, I mean, this guy is so low rung that like these are the characters that do die that's true um but that said we know that he has his own kid yeah and that's a bummer yeah that was heavy um but yeah i don't know i don't know i I think i guess that the story now is going to be 
um, what's you know is Jessica Drew going to be a bigger bigger part of of the, his little girl's life? And we know that from the last issue, we know that her mother doesn't like Jessica Drew at all. Yeah. So that that's something to play with now. I've you know I really enjoyed Porcupine in this. This is, this is actually like this is a far more devastating death than. You know Bruce Banner, then Rhodey, then yeah, yeah, you know, totally. Tony Stark when he fucking dies. Uh, t- you know, I guess on 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 par with when we thought Tim Drake may have died. Like you know, yeah. th- these are characters that I. It's a character that I love that went out. You know, it's just it's such a heartbreaking way. Yeah, totally. Um, no, it was sad, and this is still like this is still such a such a good comic, and Veronica Fish. I was just um, gonna say, like, amazing when she started filling in for. Um, uh, Javier Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who started on this, who is now doing that new Doctor Strange book. So I guess yes. he's not on this anymore. Um, but also, Veronica Fish has something new coming out through like Boom or something next, or, or, or Image next week. So Great. I don't know what who's going to be on this book ongoing. But when when Veronica Fish started doing it, she was just doing the finishing of Javier Rodriguez's stuff, and I thought it looked a bit weird. But now it's she's great. This is like this is way better than what she was doing on Archie, and I loved her Archie stuff. Agreed. I think that part of it is um, the. Rochelle Rosenberg is on colors and they've managed to keep real consistency through the issues with the changing artists by keeping the coloring really similar. Yeah, totally agree. Um, And I think it looks amazing. Yep, definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. You know what wasn't good stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Death of X number three of four. Um, Just, I don't know, 10 seconds. What did you think of this, Siobhan? Um, literally the only thing that I liked is how this new inhuman character with the blue mohawk has like a sexy cutout in his shirt so you can see his abs. Yeah, like Power Girl, except it's a dude. Yeah. So it's fine. That's the best part of this entire comic. I don't like how lame they've made Emma Frost. What is this version of Emma Frost well, who's just sad and does Cyclops' bidding? Yeah, it, it, this, everyone sucks in this book. And there's... I just like this is such a boring, boring story. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think it's like oh wow now he's enlisted Magneto. It's like Scott, Skyclops and Magneto were on the same fucking team six months ago. Like why? Yeah. Why is that surprising? Totally. Uh, this is like there's nothing that I want out of a out of an X Men book. I know, right? And it really, really bums me out that that two creators that I really like Lemire and and Sewell are on this. It doesn't make any sense. Again, the art is wonderful. Um, yeah, absolutely. Th- this book does not deserve the art that Aaron Cooter is giving it. It deserves something far worse. It deserves art that I will give it. I'll draw this book next time. I'll draw issue four if anyone would like me to draw it. Can't wait. That'll be great. Um, finally, we're going to end on a good note for Marvel. Issue number eight of Moon Knight. Another, again, another one of my absolute favorite books this week. Yeah, so brilliant. So, um, I mean, it's such a confusing story, but now it's all, it all kind of all, starting all into to place. come, come oh together. That moment, so brilliantly. That moment where they all join Mark Spector. In yeah. that weird Moon Knight dimension, or whatever it is, yeah. all the different characters, it's so great. So this is basically this is this has been like a extremely high concept, fantastical look at the many split personalities that make up the persona of Moon Knight, and what happens when you let them all, you know, out into their own worlds, and and how do you bring them all together and, and bring them in as one? And this has art by some of like oh. the best artists um, working on. American comics at the moment, we've got Francesca Francavilla, Wilfredo Torres, James Decoe, and Greg Smallwood, all, like, bringing their A-game. Absolutely. And it's crazy that Jeff Lemire is writing this and writing something as bad as Death of X. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, um, this is top three Marvel comics of the year. This is, like, you know, I would, I would recommend this immediately after recommending The Vision. I think I'm even enjoying this more than Black Widow now. 
Mm, controversial. I don't know if I agree, but I think it's a. I do really enjoy this book. I think it's really special and different and interesting. And I love any like any James to go that we can get, and any Frank Avia on interiors is amazing. And uh, don't don't shortchange uh, Greg Smallwood too. Not at all. Or He's Wilfredo awesome. Torres. Like the, the yeah. Oh yeah. That's oh man. I, I love. Really what else has he done? I don't know anything that Wilfredo Torres has done. Oh, he does these really clean. It almost reminds me of like Marguerite Sauvage. Absolutely. Or Sauvage. How how you pronounce her name? Um, but yeah, for each of the per- per- each of the different personalities within um, Moon Knight, you have a different artist, and it's really well matched. It's just great stuff. Um, I don't know what else Torres has done. Wilfredo Torres, he's done some stuff, guys. He's amazing. That's the end of our Marvel reviews, which means we actually have quite a significant stack left of comics. So don't go anywhere, guys. Um, I'm just going to start and rat- rattling off a few things that I read that Siobhan didn't um, yeah. through IDW this week. Revolution number four. That's right, the big team up between. Uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe and Mask and Micronauts and Action Man and Rom the Space Knight. Uh, I hate this. <laughs> I thought I was really into it at first, but now I'm just infinitely more lost as each, each issue progresses. Just given up. Yep, so I'm out. It's too many. Too uh, many characters. There's Tradmore covers, which are pretty great, but uh, unfortunately not even a Tradmore cover is enough to keep me on this book. Not worth it. But pain. you know what? Fuck it. There's got one more issue left. Maybe I'll just read it. I thought just finish it. <laughs> uh, I also read issue five of uh, Faith, which happens to be the election 2016 special. Uh, so you get the continuation of uh, of um, the regular faith story, which is just a regular regular faith story. Um, and uh, I forgot that. Um, speaking of her earlier, Marguerite um, Savage. How do you are you going to take a take a stab there? Savage, 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 savage. savage. Um, she, savage. I, I forgot that she she still does like the odd the odd panel. Uh, right. Um, and uh, the odd page, and that's always really nice. But in the middle of this book is a story in which uh, it's called Faith in Politics. Um, it was written by Louise Simonson with art by Perry Perez. But basically, she uh, she breaks up a fight that happens near a Hillary Clinton um, conference. What do you call them? Rallies? Yep. Sure. Conference rally. Thanks. Um, and uh, she ends up saving Hillary Clinton's life. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> um so yeah, that, that was yeah, that. Look, I mean, these tie-in issues to the elections are never like you're never like, wow, that was amazing. I'm going to reread that Spider-Man issue with Obama in it. Yeah, I'm really weird about uh, Valiant at the moment because I keep reading things that are great, and then I read things that are not great. Yeah, explain <laughs> why aren't they only putting out things that are great? <laughs> anyway, let's get to the comics that we both read, you guys, because I think there's some good ones here. Yeah, Should we start with Animosity number three. Why not? We loved issue number one of Animosity by Marguerite Bennett with art by Raphael De La Torre. Um, I was lost a little bit on issue two. So this is the, this is the story of uh, basically all of the um, animals in the world waking up, realizing that they can talk and realizing what the humans have done to them. They realize their roles in society and everything gets flipped on its head. So and all the, the f- things that they've done, all the gross things that animals do, they're yeah. also, all of a sudden like, oh my God, that was terrible. So uh, the first issue had this brilliant moment where they all woke up. Second issue jumped forward in time a couple years, a, a, a few times within the yeah. one issue. And um, now here we see the main characters well and truly on their journey. The main characters are a little girl and her bloodhound. Mm-hmm. Um, Sandor. Sandor. Um I think now it looks like we're just going to stick with this in real time. I'm hoping at least. No more time jumps, please. Yeah. Um, Seems like now we've hit the stride of the actual story. And now it's a sort of 
scary road trip across the country to get to safety or something. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's become a huge war between the animals and the humans, which is interesting to me because wouldn't each different breed of animal band together instead of just all animals? I don't know. I feel like if I was an animal, I would overlook my um, fights with other animals and kill all the humans. Yeah? Okay. That's what I do. That's what, that's what most of these animals agree with you. So, I don't know. But would they kill you or, or side with you because you share their views? Hmm. You'd have to kill some humans to prove you, to prove that you were on their side. I'm Are you okay game? With that. Okay, all right. <laughs> Stay away from Siobhan if this ever happens. Uh, so there are some pretty awful moments in this issue involving lobotomies and, and and mauling of young children. Yeah, that the lobotomy moment was especially heavy and depressing. But there are also really really great and super funny moments, including an amazing part where they uh, cross a cross the ocean on a humpback whale uh, who. After because the, the the two main characters are talking about Pokemon, and the humpback whale appears and yells, "Humpback whale, am I doing it right?" Because the Pokemon all just say their own name, which is their species. I uh, sorry about that. <laughs> See, like that was a, that was a funny moment, but this brings up something, and I'm probably going to talk about it later as well when we talk about Josie and the Pussycats because Marguerite Bennett is also writing that. She puts far too many pop culture references in her books for my taste. It's fine, like I'm. I guess some people enjoy that. I think it really dates a book in like a kind of terrible, embarrassing way. And I just, I think I don't, I don't feel like I should have to know lots and lots of references to other things to be able to understand this particular comic book. Like the dog is named after a character from Game of Thrones. And yeah, there's, sure. There's Pokemon references and stuff like that. And it's fine. I guess it's adding like color or whatever, but it just seems, I don't a bit, know. Yeah. it just seems a bit lazy to me. Pokemon and Game of Thrones are very much in the zeitgeist. So yeah, for like sure. Will be for a, a while. Yeah, but not forever. Like Pokemon, you're, you're dating, you're dating your work. All right, Bennett. All right, yeah, Bennett. We'll talk about her other book. Yeah, Animosity Three. I think is back to as good as it was in the first issue. At the very, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with this one. Yeah, I'll still, I'll still check it out. Um, so you didn't read Josie and the Pussycats issue two? No. I could um, just I took a flick through it and I was like I didn't love the first one and this one does not look like I'm gonna love it either. I, d- I don't like the art is a big big factor. I I don't mind the art. I think it's like pretty serviceable, um, and I think that there's some like good characterization, some good physical comedy every now and again. But this is just like I don't even know how to describe this because I don't understand what it is or who it's for. Like sure. it because it should be for you. It should be. It should be specifically for me. <laughs> I love Josie and the Pussycats. I loved the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which they make a lot of references to in this, which right. is bizarre. It tries to be really meta and talks about like, oh, I hope this A story works out because the B story is going to be really <laughs> boring and all this kind of stuff. And it's extra wordy, extra packed full of um, pop culture references, which I just don't find funny or interesting or compelling. Like, Josie and the Pussycats is a really good, easy formula, and you could use it to discuss all like all kinds, all manner of topics. And mm. I think that she's trying to do that, but in a really dumb, annoying way. I don't know. I'm are, not... Are yeah. you going to stick with it? I don't think I am, which is kind of... Well, that's the first new Archie series that you've dropped since their relaunch. Yeah, it's kind of devastating. I mean, it's almost worthwhile just to keep reading the reprints of Dan DiCarlo. <laughs> well, Josie <laughs> the and the Pussycat Streets, of each one, strips yeah. in the back. Um, did you know Josie was based on Dan DiCarlo's wife? Hmm. There you go. Hmm. Um, and the other members based on his, funnily enough, dogs. Hmm. There you go. There you go. Funny tidbit. Rude. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I think that this is a fun version of Melody, but 
Like, she even makes a comment about how, like, Josie is not, like, your typical likable um, protagonist in this. Like, there's a line about that. And I was like, that's fine. But she also just doesn't seem to have a personality yet. Like, right. it's okay if you're like, oh, she's really, you know, contrary and aggressive and all this kind of stuff. Like, cool, fine. But she's just not interesting. And there's, like, sex references and there's heaps of drug references. Like, lots of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they talk about meth. <laughs> like is this is this an all ages comic like who are you who is who is this for because it's not for adults it's not for teens and it's fucking not for children like yeah. choose an audience jeez louise i just got angry then. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about a comic that that gets angry yeah. every time it comes out and i get angry when it takes six months to put a new issue out but you know what all's forgiven as soon as a new wild. one comes out i'm talking about southern bastards number 15 by jason aaron and jason latour Far and away, one of the best uh, best comics that Image are putting out when they put it out. That is, yeah. Um, and whatever, you know what? Team, uh, uh, writer and artist teams can can take the time out to deliver quality of of, of this utmost amazingness. Yeah, uh, agree. If they need to, uh, so this uh, finally introduces us more and more to. Well, not, we we got a little bit of a glimpse of her. I think the last issue, but this is the uh, the daughter of Earl Tubbs, Roberta. Roberta. We see we saw her introduced at the end of the first uh, arc. Um, and then we kind of didn't see any of her for a long while. We learned a lot more about Coach Boss. Mm-hmm. And this is finally bringing Coach Boss and Roberta Tubbs together. I won't ruin it for you. But um, even though we don't, you know, this is still the build up to them actually having a confrontation. Mm-hmm. It was immensely satisfying. This, this world is so grim and miserable and shit. But yeah. it's riveting. And you just see constant, like, every time you think that Coach Boss isn't going to cross that line, he then just jumps straight over it and it's like it is like a physical punch in the gut every single time Mm. and the next like story arc is called gut check and you just like this is a comic that you feel in your guts you know like jason latour's art is so tactile and gritty and everyone's craggy faced and no one's beautiful and it's yeah uh, he's and he's so great great at writing horrible people too absolutely he's great writing great people too but like you know coach boss is this character that like you you should not root for him in any way shape or form no because he's you know essentially killed the hero of the first four issues Mm. um but like you kind of do root for him. Yeah, you like don't, you feel you feel the losses that he's experiencing so thoroughly. You understand his point of view. You're, you're disappointed in him. You don't hate him. Yeah. You're like, oh, why are you going down this road again, Coach Boss? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's a really powerful book. And I, yeah, I. this is going to be one of those classics, I think. Agreed. Love yeah. it. And you should, like, you should I think be reading Southern Bastards. I think, it's an, I think it's evidence of how, like, I mean, I think it's probably kind of stories that are floating around in the ether anyway, but I feel like you can tell how it much of like a, a, a firebrand this comic has been on in the comics industry because we've seen so many other books about like violent books set in the south yep. recently and it just feels like this is just uh it's just created this new wave of yeah well jason latour imitators who does art on southern bars is, is launching a new book called uh loose ends which yeah. is an, a southern crime romance story um next month in january so you know he, even even he's doing more southern Southern Crimes books. So good. Um, I you know, Speaking of a book that, from Image that's set in the South in which violence happens, mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, set oh, in go. Atlanta. Did you no. know that? No, I didn't. Uh, issue 160 of the, War, the Walking Dead, The Whisperer War, part four of six. Uh, just a quick one to say that I cannot believe that I'm still excited by this. 
book, especially because I keep seeing recaps of like what the television show is doing now, and I'm mm. like, oh, I don't care about The Walking Dead. Yeah, but I still care deeply about The Walking Dead as a comic. I think it's really excellent. It's such high stakes. And it looks like they're going to do something really, really awful next issue. And uh, I can't wait. Hmm. Um, I read Eclipse issue three through Top Cow and Image. Did you read this one? Yes, I did. It's by Zach Kaplan, Giovanni Timpano, and Chris Northrop. Um, this is about a future world in which you cannot go outside because the sun will burn you up immediately. Like you explode when the sun touches you, basically. Except there is a criminal on the loose in our underground world who can't go out during daylight. Uh, and he is, you know, he can't be harmed by the sun, and but he's going around and, and exposing different people to sunlight, murdering people. Looks like he's targeting different people um, who who are linked to the the uh, the uh, initial events that 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 are uh, that led to the sol- the solar flare. Mm. Um, I think this is a really great book. Yeah, I mean, I am I am consistently more confused by it and it's one of those books that like it's like it's my fault because i read 50 comics a week and don't have access to the back issues so this is one that's i've i've kind of lost understanding of what the main plot is i still like it but i just think for me it might be a better one to read in trade yeah sure yeah i I would agree with you it's funny we, we have not really enjoyed any top cow books since we started the podcast um, and I've been waiting for this one to kind of show its top cowness, and it's starting to in just like gross, gory stuff. Yeah, um, which I'm not, not. I'm okay with a little bit of gore. No, yeah, I'm fine with a little yeah. bit of gore. It's definitely got the least tits of any top cow book I've ever <laughs> the seen. The least tits. Put that on the front cover of the next issue, Eclipse. Uh, so yeah, I like this book a lot. We'll get cancelled immediately. <laughs> um, over to Boom. Mm-hmm. Some good good week for Boom. Yeah, Goldie totally. Vance issue seven. Uh, you still loving this? Yeah, it's just. I mean. It's the best book. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, I love how, like, you know, I love it. It's like thinking out loud detective work. I know mm-hmm. it's such a funny trope. Like, no one actually does that in real life. But it is a, it's a part of the detective genre. Absolutely. And I love, and it makes sense coming out of the, the mouth of a, you know, however how old Goldie is, 13 or whatever, 13-year-old mm. girl, as she tries to solve these crimes that are so much bigger than her. I know. And I love how you sort of think you kind of understand like what the crime is going to be but it just gets more and more surreal and more and more like bizarre like I didn't I didn't expect this issue to end with a bunch of astronauts in an underwater base yeah totally and actually you know what this th- this series really reminds me of is a point and click adventure game oh yeah like a uh, like a in that like I don't know like a Grim Fandango like a like one of those LucasArts ones or the um, Tim Schafer like a Monkey Island or mm. Sam and Max or Day of the Tentacle, where it's kind of you, you're just kind of like you're just clicking everything, trying to find evidence yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or put things together so you can advance the story. And this, and, and and also there are like you know big ridiculous things happen, which is what kind of what happens at the end of end of this issue with the astronauts living underwater. Like anything can happen in those games. So this is this this feels like yeah like this grounded concept that just kind of gets more wacky as you progress. Absolutely, and I think that like they do so much stuff in this book that's subtle but um so progressive. Like the fact that Goldie's parents are divorced and her mum openly like dates multiple people. You know, like it's yep. such a it's such a subtle like just put in the story as like this is the character. It's not remarked upon. It's not a like fundamental part of her as a human. Yeah. But it's just like it's just extra color and it's just extra relatable and interesting and I love it. Cool. She's like you know her parents. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. 
Just, you, I think it's brilliant. You'll be able to vote for Goldie Vance as our favourite all-ages comic in the aforementioned Best of 2016 Awards. And if it doesn't win, I will fight you all. Really? There are a few. What, what else is there? Um, space Battle Nothing. Lunchtime. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Trouble in Little China with Escape from New York, the comic that should not be fun, but instead it is. It's so fun. Uh, written by Greg Pak with art by Daniel Bayliss and Triona Farrell. Farrell. Daniel Bayliss is the best. Uh, man, I know. He, he's a massive part of what makes this book so enjoyable. Um, look, the plot is ridiculous and it's not even worth talking. Like A, a portal opens and you get both... Uh, um, Jack Burton and Snake Plissken in the same world uh, fighting to save a, a blues singer, but it turns out there's a bigger plot than that. And uh, at the end of this book, it looks like there's a portal. Another portal is opened and transported multiple versions of Snake Pliskins from all over the multiverse. Lady Snake Plissken, Cyborg Snake Plissken, Giant Snake Plissken. And that sounds stupid, but that should be exactly Snake why. In a hat. It's exactly why you should be reading this book. It's the best. Um, also, what's his name? Um, Lopan. Mm hmm. Um, is is back as well. Mm-hmm. So they've got they've got all everything everything just coming coming at you in this book. So good. Yeah, I like this book a lot. It's very very silly and fun. Absolutely. Looks like I read a couple more image comics that you did not pick up. Okay. Um. So I read the latest issue of Bitch Planet, which um is Kelly Sue DeConnick's Grindhouse comic with Valentine Delandro. Um. President Bitch. President Bitch. This That's what is- it says in the cover. That's I'm not calling one of the creators that. Um, no, but what a cool name. I mean, this is like, we've now, it's hard, hard to explain. Like, this is a super, wears its feminist agenda on its sleeve kind of book. Um, it's all about women who are not seen as non-compliant by society who are sent to a prison planet. Mm-hmm. Um, colloquially, colloquially, mm, that's a hard word to say. <laughs> um, commonly known as bitch planet. Um, and now we see there's been a sort of prison break, but they're on a planet. So obviously they can't actually escape the prison. Um this is just a brilliant book. Kelly Sue DeConnick is, like, just killing it on this. Valentine Delandro is completely brilliant, um, and you should definitely be reading it. And it's another one that is worth picking up in single issue because it has a number of essays in the back from wow, important feminist that. writers, lots of um, recommendations for good books to read, a letters column, extra sketches, and this is stuff that they don't have in the trades and that there is currently no plan to collect in a separate book. So it is worth picking up in a single issue. Perfect. Is the uh, recommended reading column called Bitches Read? <laughs> Let me just check. Yeah, all the, all the um, columns have awesome, funny names. Yeah, it's just yep. called Bitches Read. Great. Love it. And the, the letters column is called Bitches Be Like. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, I also read the latest issue of Deadly Class. I have not read this yet. Please don't spoil it for me. I won't. Um, I really liked it, though. Cool. As a D&D scene, which is extremely funny. I like these characters heaps more than I um, did in the first issue. And um, who's, on, who's on art again? Where's Craig? Craig? Where's Craig? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yes, so good. It's great. So, so good. good. I bought, he did like a book before Deadly Class um, about like a circus that, that you can get through image. It's really, really great. Mm. It's a little little hardcover, like a, a weird shape. It's really okay, cool. Cool. Um, I tried reading um, Seven to Eternity, issue two. I didn't get, I did, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. get that last yeah. week, so I tried reading it this week. I couldn't get into it. Yeah. Is it worth sticking through? There's a, there's a really, really overly written part in the middle. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm. it wasn't as strong as issue one. I'm going to read another issue because I think yep. it could just be one of those, like, slightly exposition-y, like, we just need to get this stuff out of the way issues. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't as good as the first issue, I don't think. He's, again, writing too many good books. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Deadly Class is great again. Um, but it's such Black a, it's such a like, amazing. who knows with Rick Remender? Like, yes. it seems like issue to issue. It's a totally different writer in terms of quality sometimes. Yeah, totally. Um, or, like, I mean, quality. I read one more Boom book this week as well. And it's a, a weird one that we haven't spoken about on the show before. It's called Strange Fruit. Mm, a controversial by- title when it was announced. Why is that? Well, just because it is dealing specifically with... Um, a, 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 a ginormous black superhero who appears uh, during extremely racist uh, Civil War era America. But it's not actually written by... No. No. Um, so, yeah, written by J.G. Jones and Mark Wade, art by J.G. Jones. I picked it up because I love the art of J.G. Jones. He's brilliant. Um, and this is, like, beautifully painted, cut uh, like, you know, panels. And incredible light work as well. Mm. Story-wise, yeah, I can see why people would have a... Look, it, it's it's not damning in any no. way. The story, if anything, is kind of boring. Right. Um, and uh, not a tremendously rewarding... Actually, the ending is not rewarding in the slightest. Um, so, yeah, a really weird run. Mm. I'm probably I'm just going to... Even though I... I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'll ever reread this again, but I'm, I'm glad I saw the art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is my review of Strange Fruit. It, it, it was four issues... Over 18 months. Yeah. So, I feel like those kind of books are never that great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, it might be a little less than that, but it definitely felt like more than a year. Those are all our reviews this week. Yep. We'll be back again next week to review all the books, although I'm going to be away from Wednesday till Sunday. Whoa. So, I don't know how the hell I'm going to read my books this time. It might be a frantic Monday morning. There's a massive amount of them coming out, though. Yeah, absolutely. What have we got to look forward to? We've got um, another issue of All-Star Batman coming out. That's pretty exciting. Um, we have the second issue of another controversial comic called Alters um, about yep. the uh, trans superhero. Another uh, controversial title, but I think controversial literally only to me, Betty and Veronica issue two. <laughs> um, and uh, a second issue of Black as well. Um, we've got Black Panther World of Wakanda, which is going oh, to be great. the first ever Marvel book ever written by a black female writer. Um, Ro- Unbelievable. Ro- Roxanne Gay is going to be writing that one, which is really exciting. Um, we also get um, a new title in the Cerebus. Or, sorry, yeah. As in Dave Sim? Yeah. Cerebus Ugh. in Hell, issue zero. God. So, I don't I know don't if that's that. all new stuff or... Yeah, it's very strange. It's like one of the most renowned classic books that I've yeah. never read. Yeah, which <laughs> I no never will read. Really? Wow. He's notoriously um, not that kind to women. Oh, crap. I believe. Crap. Crep in, in the Cerebus books. Um, um, I'm excited about issue one of Mother Panic, another title in the um, Young Animals. I look forward to complaining line. about Brian Bendis' Invincible Iron Man number one, featuring <laughs> Riri Williams taking over the mantle about Iron Man, of Iron Man. That's not why I'm going to be complaining about though. I'm going to be complaining about it because Bendis is writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm complaining about the white men, okay? It's fine, guys. It's totally fine. Uh, Namesake number one comes out, and that is the newest book by um, Steve Orlando, um, coming out through Boom. It's the first uh, creator-owned work that he's done, maybe, ever. I might be wrong. Um, and uh, There's something... I'm we sorry. Get, I'm just... We also get a wrestling book. Yes. A wrestling comic. Awesome. WWDE, then, now, forever. Oh, and we get um, the first issue of Violent Love, which is like a romance crime comic. By the guy who did Five Ghosts. Yeah. Cool. Which awesome. Very, that's it. That's cool, y'all. That's a good stuff. And some not so good stuff, too. Possibly <laughs> find out if Hal Jordan is dead. We didn't get to talk about that last week. Oh, yeah. 
he, he exploded. And also, he took Sinestro out with him. So, I don't know if that happened. Obi is dead and Kyle comes back. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, cool. Thank you so much for listening to Serious Issues. You can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast, or join us in discussion, talk about this episode, and uh, argue with us about comics at our group, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. You can email us, seriousissues at kingscomics.com, or leave us some lovely feedback on our iTunes page, which you just Sweet. find by searching serious issues and leaving a review. Uh, One more thing I wanted to... Sorry. I'm always terrible at interrupting the sign-off. But I also just wanted to mention the fact that I was at um, Graphic Festival gonna, over the weekend. I was going to seek to this. Yeah. Um, wow. What an amazing weekend of... Um, Events put together by Ben and, Rust, uh, ben and Jordan, who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, go back and listen to the graphic uh, interview. Um, it's like it's the only comics festival that I know of in the world that treats comics like art, and they did some amazing work. I got, I was very, very lucky to be able to go to both sessions of talks by um, Matt Groening, which was amazing, um, especially the one that he did in conjunction with his lifelong friend Linda Barry, who I now have like the world's biggest crush on. She was amazing. <laughs> I was also lucky enough to. Um, talk to Brandon Graham in my first ever solo interview, um, which you can probably hear how nervous I was in the recording, but that was so fun and he was such a cool guy and so, so, um, so kind and fun to talk to. Yeah. And his um, talk that he gave with Ray Johnston as well was amazing. Awesome. Well, uh, you can, you can uh, f- hear Siobhan in chat with uh, Brandon Graham later in the week. I think Friday I'll put that episode up. Nice. A little bonus episode of Serious Issues. And of course, we'll be back next Monday to review all of this week's comics. Like we say every single week, Siobhan, what do we say? Say stay serious, guys. What did you say? Stacy serious. <laughs> I said stay, stay serious. serious. It was the one time I said it properly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much to our um, our our benefactor, Stacy Serious, <laughs> for funding another ish- ish episode of the Serious Podcast. Oh, and remember, guys, everything that we talk about on the show can be bought at King's Comics, kingscomics.com, or at 310 Pitt Street in Sydney. Yep. Yep. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.